Well, hello and welcome to episode number 54 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the Old Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at Ulfire. At Ulfire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about adapting to new cultures and some of the challenges that people face when they have to move from their home to a new home. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the Old Fire website, so please do check it out for additional information. While you're there, feel free to sign up for our regular newsletter and find out a bit more about how we may, able, may be able to help you with your business. So adapting to new cultures can be, well, it is a major challenge for virtually anybody who works in a virtual team or in a co-located team when they're in an organisation when from time to time they'll be asked to move to another place. Now, for some people, the change of new culture can be as as um, as relatively simplistic to, to conceive as moving to another city in the same country. Um, but for others it can be moving to a completely different country and not just one where the same where it's the same language and largely the same culture for some the change can be moving from the country and the place in which they've been born and grown up to a country which has a completely different language totally different culture totally different way of conducting business and and building relationships different climates and everything else so the the variables are enormous for uh, for some the the change can seem to be very small for others the see, the change can be seen to be very very large but for every individual the challenges can be largely the same for someone who's who's spent who's very comfortable and has grown up and spent all of their lives in one location to move even to another town or another city in the same in the same county or state or uh, or within the same country can be as daunting as a change as a complete change for others so things to consider and it, this will be quite a brief podcast but things to consider when you are when you're framing this the changes can be both geographical which are which are usually the ones that are easy to understand and they're easy for a business to think through and to plan for and to make allowances for. The other form of the change is the mental form. Now, the geographical change, and by geographical, we really, I'm really here including pretty well everything that's visible and, tact and tangible in terms of when you're looking at and planning these. The geographical changes can be easy to describe. So, okay, is someone moving 200 miles or are they moving 10,000 miles? Is someone moving from a culture which is similar to their own to a culture which is similar to their own or are they moving to a completely different culture? Is the language different and so forth? The mental challenges, though, can be firstly very hard to quantify and secondly very different for every different person. Now, once you've 
actually get to your new location, one of the biggest challenges is the mental part of the of the change. And that's the part that really needs to be planned and thought through. How will someone be supported when they make this move? How will they get the change help that they need so that as they settle in, they can get there quicker, they can get there in an easier and less um, risky way, in a way which will mean that their that their mental acumen recovers rapidly and they become very productive again very quickly. Now, the first part of this for most people is purely the 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 let's call it the spatial stuff, the geographical things, where you okay, you move to a new place, you have to find where you're going to live, you have to find how you're going to get from where you're living. Firstly, if you're there on your own, between where you live, where you're going to eat, where you're going to shop, and where you're going to work. If you're there with a family, you also need to add into that how the family is going to move around and what they're going to need to know how to do as well. And that will include things potentially like um, shopping uh, for the whole family. It will include schooling if the family is of a school age and has school age children. It will include what the other part, the other partner in a in a relationship will do, whether they move to a job as well, whether they move within the same business or whether they move within a different business. And if that partner is not going to be employed, what that partner is going to do, how they will integrate into the community and what they'll be able to occupy themselves with. So there's a lot of those physical things that need to be considered as the first step. Now, the first challenge there, of course, then is, okay, how do I get from point A to point B to point C, back to point A again, without getting lost? Developing that spatial comfort is is one of the very first things that most people need to, to address. The second one, assuming that the office environment is quite similar to the office environment that you've moved from, will be, okay, how do I feed myself? How do I make sure that I have the right clothing that I need? Um, how do I, how does my partner feed themselves? How does my partner get to where they're going to need and so forth? Now, the two parts of the feeding yourself, the first one is where do you buy the food that you're going to cook for yourself, assuming that you will be cooking for yourself. And the other one is where do you find restaurants? How do you navigate those restaurants? Now, many cultures, and of course, keeping in mind that this podcast is produced in English and the website is all in English, many cultures and many countries will have either a bilingual menus if you're living in a town where English or another language is the second language and is a recognized second language. So you may have bilingual menus. The alternate may be that the restaurants may have a a menu in one language and a menu in another. The third one, however, will be where the language in the restaurant is the only language which is spoken in that country. And in that instance, you then need to find ways where you can choose the food that you want to eat. Similarly, when you're in a supermarket, if the labelling is all in the local language, you can find it very challenging to, to tell the difference between certain products, things that you would normally take for granted. For instance, one time when I was working away, you could buy large two-litre bottles of what appeared to be spring water, but it actually turned out to be a very alcoholic local spirit. Now, the the appearance of the bottle, it was a clear spirit, it looked like water, it was packaged in large plastic bottles, it looked and to all intents and purposes, and it was actually priced like water as well, but it most definitely was not. So you need to be 
you need to be aware of what you're buying and you need to think through what you're buying. In some cases, you need to just take a risk, test it and see. And if it's not what you want, then be prepared just to sort of write that one off to experience. Similarly, in restaurants, if you're ordering meals, sometimes you'll order a meal by sight. You'll sort of sit there and just point to someone who's eating nearby. What they're eating may appear to be relatively similar to what you would normally eat but it may turn out to be either more bland than you would normally like your food more spicy sweeter not sweet enough and so forth so there's there's many many variables that can occur with food as well as but as time passes you'll become more familiar you'll pick up bits of language you'll find phrase books you'll find places where you can eat where people can help you with with the language of the of the of the menus and so forth and as time passes by you most people will settle in they'll learn enough of the language to be able to say hello goodbye to count to firstly normally you would find you can count to 10 then to 100 then to 1000 and so forth you'll be able to buy your daily shop in the grocery store and you'll be able to travel around in a reasonably safe and planned manner rather than just be confined to one very small area and eating in one restaurant which which is often where it starts for many many people when they when they go onto a, onto a secondment into a, into an and let's call it an alien country the one thing however that you can never really predict the outcome on is the mental part of it for some people the the mental move of going from their comfort zone of their home country their home culture their family and friends is that the change there can be can be fine they will adapt very quickly they'll look on the new experience as an adventure and they'll be quite comfortable where they are but for many other people the change can be very confronting and for some people that level of confrontation can be such that all they really want to do is to escape from the, this new environment to find the first opportunity to get out and go back home and and sometimes just to say that was it I've tried it I never ever want to do that again now from a business perspective this can be a real risk because if you find people that are feeling like that those people are not going to have their minds on their jobs they're going to be they're going to be suffering they're going to be very very uncomfortable they're going to be itching to leave and their engagement and their level of engagement with the work is going to really, really suffer. But for many people, knowing that they are essentially getting to the point where they're going to be asking for a relocation back to where they came from can put them into a position where not only will they be uncomfortable at work, they'll also feel that their job may be at risk because in some businesses there's there's a perception that if you've failed um, in one of these deployments that it's going to really hamper your future career. So many businesses need to find ways if they do these sorts of things to give people um, um, a, a form of a soft landing, a way out that doesn't compromise their futures and a way that lets them return at the earliest opportunity to their home office and for someone else to come out and, and to have an opportunity to, to try one of these secondments. So the mental side of a change like this is as challenging and can be as difficult as the physical part. The physical part is easy to measure, it's easy to frame, it's easy to structure and it's easy to plan for. But the mental part can be an unknown for both the individuals themselves and for the business. And as such, the mental part is the part that really needs to be thought through and needs to be monitored as time goes by. 
So it's been quite a brief podcast this week, but hopefully you've uh, there's been something in there that's been of use or of interest. If there has, then we really do like to hear back from people, so do please, please feel free to, to come back on email or to come back with a comment on um, on iTunes or one of the other platforms where, where our podcasts are listed. Um, if you're interested, please do check the business out. We're at www.ulfire.com.au And of course, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed and keep up to date with future episodes. Every episode is different. They're all self-contained, so you don't need to listen to any of the previous ones to get value from from the ones that are coming forwards. There's a page on the Ulfire website with uh, links to all of the usual places where you would subscribe. And um, we very much look forward to speaking to you in future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.